Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course, the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer-Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are previewing the Oklahoma State Cowboys as part of our opponent preview series. Look, we are getting close to the end of the season here. Um, we're getting ready to kind of start wrapping stuff up, getting ready to be, you know, talking about that first game as it's coming up. So, But to help me to preview Oklahoma State Cowboys and get us to the point where we can actually kind of understand what's coming in this particular game, even though it's late in the season. Joining me, my 1012 podcast uh, co-host, you guys hear him all the time if you listen to the 1012 podcast, it is Philip Slavin. Philip, how you doing today? Doing all right, man. Doing all right, Andy. Uh, I am, and the season so close, I can taste it. I know. And uh, it tastes good. It tastes real good. It's delicious. <laughs> That's not not an awkward segment at all. Yeah, anyway. No. Um you look, we are getting a lot closer. We are within a month now. So, um that is super super exciting. Uh you know, fall camps are which I still don't understand why we call it fall camp if it happens in the middle of the summer, but fall camps are are underway now for basically everybody. We are, you know, hearing about quarterback battles or, you know, all of the improvement from all of these guys from a lot of different teams, including the Jayhawks. And I'm sure Oklahoma State has had some indication of who is playing well, who are the guys that you really are kind of looking for. But before we get into what's going on this year, because it was quite the season last year, and I think I know what your answer to this is, but as an Oklahoma State fan, what was the best part of last season for you? Wow. I mean, for me, 
it was being at Boone Pickens Stadium for Bedlam because uh, I was quite adamant that I had to be at what could potentially have been at that time because we weren't sure the last Bedlam in who knows how long played at home and it only got bigger as the season and that was that was before the season even started I was like I have I have to go to this one as we got closer and closer obviously it became a bigger and a bigger and a bigger and a bigger game that was basically my Christmas gift it was like everybody's pitching we're gonna buy tickets we're gonna go to a hotel like we're, we're gonna eat pay pay for my my trip uh that's what we did and it was uh, emotional and glorious and amazing. And I got my, at the time, pregnant wife down on the field with me because she knew how much I would want to go down there after that win. Uh, and once all the kids figured out that she was pregnant, they parted like the Red Sea to help make sure that she was able to get back off of the field easily and quickly. Uh, even the drunk ones like, guys, she's got a pregnant lady to get, get out of the way, get out of the way. Um, so, and props to her because it is not a short or a small drop from the top of the seats down to the field it's very close to the field but it's a significant yeah i was to say i bet like I, i've seen the wall it's not a small you know no. jump from there so um so yeah i mean obviously you know beating a huge rival especially in that particular game going to the big 12 championship we won't talk about what actually happened there but look it, it was a great season regardless for oklahoma state um which begs the question you know it's not very often, especially in this Big 12, that's wide open as it is. It is. If you're not Oklahoma, it is very difficult, as we've seen, for a team to have a phenomenal year and then follow it up with another good year because we have had a lot of you know turnover, a lot of surprise teams, a lot of stuff going on. So with the changes that are happening at Oklahoma State in terms of who's come in, who's left, that sort of stuff, um, are, are you worried about that potentially, or are there certain things that have carried over from last season that give you the sense that this is another team that's going to be a, a very good team this year in the, in the conference? Well, it, it should be another good team. I mean, look, feel how you want about Fitzgerald Sanders. I probably feel a lot of the same ways that you do. He is who he is. Now, he has gotten incrementally better every single year. Um, the question becomes, can he take a, a big leap forward in his senior year and, and, make up for what we think will be the, the gap that has to be overcome by what you've lost on defense and make the offense that much better. There's also questions about how much of last year was because of that's how they wanted to run the offense because of how good the defense was. But I mean, with Spencer Sanders, you have a senior quarterback who is like un, under Mike Gundy, when they have had a returning senior quarterback, they have never won fewer than nine games ever. Worst, worst season was nine and four. Zach Robinson's last season, all the way back in 2009, they won nine games. Otherwise, they win 10, 11, 12 games. So you have a returning senior quarterback. That alone, in a, in a, in a, a conference that has as many teams going through as much massive upheaval, as much roster upheaval as they are, having that leadership there is a positive. And look, Spencer's not perfect. And we can talk about how he played against Baylor both games, but outside of that, he played pretty well. No, he wasn't perfect against Oklahoma. The whole team wasn't perfect against Oklahoma. Still found a way to win that game. Spanners played pretty well last year. He did. as long, And especially as the season went on and the offensive line was healthy, the cowboy back position was healthy, and they were healthy at running back, which you notice in that big tall title game. You lost your starting center. Your offensive line was banged up. You were down to a way too skinny freshman wide receiver converted into cowboy back, which is the OSU tight end. You were down to your starting running back. You went into a championship game and had to put too much on Spencer Sanders' shoulders. And, and it's not just that they had to put too much on him. Like he didn't. Baylor's defense is really good, and they were healthy. 
Baylor, you had a healthy Baylor defense versus a not healthy Oklahoma State offense, and you're still a couple of centimeters away from from being able to win that game. And then you saw what they did when they were healthier against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, which was a great game, great comeback. There's plenty of reasons to believe this Oklahoma State team should still be good this year and not see some massive drop off, even with what they have lost on defense. That and, and that is a big part of it. The other thing I will point to is the receiving core was so young. Everyone's like, they lost Tay Martin. I don't know how they're going to play as Tay Martin. I don't know how they're going to do it. He was their top receiver last year. Well, look, I understand every year is new. Oklahoma State has set enough of a precedent of they've always got somebody in the waiting in the wings to come and be a really good wide receiver for them. They've got a few options, I think, this year. Jane Bray, Braden, uh, Brennan Presley. Like, that whole receiving core is over now. Like, there are plenty of reasons to think that there's no reason Oklahoma State shouldn't be in contention. Can they get back there? Maybe. It's too hard to say that because it's, we just don't know enough about everybody else in the conference as well, right? Ever since the conference championship game has come back, you and I have talked about this. Somebody has made their first appearance in the title game since it came back. I, I don't mean like old championship game. Since right, it came right. back, somebody new has appeared in it. Oklahoma State was a new one last year. So it's been it's been crazy. So you just don't know. It's it's too hard to, to to predict, but OSU should be successful this year. Yeah, well, you talk about you know Spencer Sanders and how well he played last year, and he was picked as you know the preseason All Big Twelve quarterback. But I, I wonder how much of that and and kind of your reaction in terms of the way he just reacted to that kind of gives me a little bit of a, a an insight. I think, but it, it felt to me, and and I said this over on Blue Wings Rising when it happened, that it felt to me it was more of a we don't know who else to pick not necessarily because Spencer Sanders is seen far and away as the best quarterback in in the conference this year. Is that a fair assessment? And, and if so, like what strengths does he have, or what do you think he's building on for this season? That's going to be different. That gives him an opportunity to live up to that preseason award. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to give that award to somebody who is an unknown no matter how high expectations are for them over somebody who is literally the defending big 12 first team quarterback. And whether you think he should have been last year or not, that is up for debate as well, but you're the starting quarterback on a team that made the championship game, had the best regular season record. Uh, it made sense. So are you going to give it to Dylan Gabriel? Who's new? Are you going to, and has a new coaching staff? Are you going to give it to Quinn Ewers who hasn't played real football in a very long time and hasn't done so in college. You're going to give it to Adrian Martinez, who's a transfer who people are very, very divided on. We don't know who Texas Tech starter is going to be yet. Like I, we've, we've seen a little bit of Blake Shapin, but that'd be a big, that'd be a big swing. Anybody else you would put as the first teamer would be a, a big swing of prediction, right? And he wasn't unanimous. So we don't know. And this is, I always wish we kind of had a, an idea of, I wish we had a second team. I wish the Big 12 would put out a second team because I'm really curious. When we talk about Kansas State got the most players on first team this year. I'm really curious, like, if you put out a second, and oh, you got two, and one of them was a kicker. Like, if you no, put no, out no. a second oh, you team. Oh, you got one, and it oh, was that's a right. kicker. Oh, you got one. So we yeah. put two OU on, on ours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got one, and it was kicker. If you brought out a second team, does OU have a whole bunch more? So some of the, like, preseason team stuff, because you only see one, Spencer Sanders may have been first team by, like, one vote. Right. So right. I, 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 whatever. My thing with him this year is this. They have, I think they have finally figured out to some extent how, how to run the offense around him effectively. 
like I said, your receiver is going to be older. You know you have to be able to rely on the ground game to support him. And if the offensive line stays healthy, he'll be good. He's going to have a bad game. He's going to have a Baylor regular season, Baylor national championship, or Baylor championship game. Like he just does. He has that in him every single year. He's going to have a game where he's going to turn the ball over a lot, and he might cost you the game. There's been one every year. There's been an absolute he cost you the game with three or more turnovers since he started. or became the starter as a true freshman. Like, And that's okay. Last year, you're able to work around it the first time, and you weren't the second. But that's just kind of who he is. And so the question becomes, does he have another level? I don't know. And I think that's the biggest – that is one of the biggest questions for Oklahoma State this year is, like, you know you can get to the Big 12 title game with him. And if circumstances go your way a little bit more, i.e. health, you can win a Big 12 title with him. I mean, I think that's a fair point. As close as they were last year, given the injuries they had on the offense, that you could have won a Big 12 title with him. Because if you had the team that faced Notre Dame in the Big 12 title game, Oklahoma State beats Baylor. That's how close it was. Yeah, Uh, that's fair. And it's not a knock on Baylor. Like, again, that's how close the game was. It's not like Baylor Baylor dominated that game. Look at the final score. It was a very close game. Uh, And I'm not to take away. So the thing for Sanders is, can he continue to get better? And can he continue to protect the ball? But you just, you have to expect turnovers from him. I think that's just part of his game, you know? Yeah, I mean, to kind of, you know, obviously it's not just Sanders. Um, you know, there's a there's a ton of other pieces on the offense. I, I do wonder, though, with, you know, leading rusher Jalen Warren off to the NFL, like you said earlier, leading wide receiver Jalen, or I'm sorry, Tay Martin. Um, I almost said Jalen Warren's name again. But uh, Tay Martin off to the NFL as well. Like, you have to replace a lot of that production on the offensive side. Now, obviously, there are guys that are going to step up, um, but who are those guys going to be? Like, who, who are you expecting to be the main receivers? Who are you expecting to be the main running backs for this team? Those other skill position players to kind of help fill that out and give Spencer Sanders the support he needs to be successful. I think at receiver, there's three guys whose names you're absolutely going to want to know. Brennan Presley. I think Big 12 fans are aware of him at this point. Uh, Braden Johnson, who was out last year with injury, um, I think he's like he's a redshirt senior, but it feels like he's been around forever. Um, and Jane Bray, who's a sophomore, who who had some some moments last year. And I'm of everyone on the roster um, who's not a true freshman and just coming into the program, Taylor Shetron. Um, I think Jane Bray has the chance to really be OSU's like top top guy. Like, I think he's really the next man up. Brendan Presley is great and tons of fun. He's a fun weapon. I love John Paul Richardson behind him. He's a reliable guy. We're talking again about juniors and sophomores and sophomores and sophomores, Bryce and Green. Like, you've got one senior in Braden Johnson. Outside of that, most of your contributors, Brendan Presley is a true junior, are sophomores and freshmen. It's still a young receiving core. I think it's Bray. I think it's Johnson. I think it's Presley. Those are the guys you're going to see the most. Um, and I'm really interested beyond that, just kind of everybody else mixed in. Running back is interesting. Um, we were going to Big 12 media days last year and and hearing Gundy talk about how they were basically going to do running back by committee and they didn't want anybody to have more than 300 carries and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, that's eh, bullshit. Um, Oklahoma State's best seasons have come with a dominant running back. And the only times that has not been the case was because of injury or the guys just weren't good, i.e. 2015 when you had uh, Mike Yersich had to MacGyver 
a running game out of JW backup quarterback, JW Walsh and sticks and stones. Yeah. Um, and outside of that, you've had a, a lead dominant back every year. You've had a good season where I, where I think we misunderstood last year was they were going into game one and they running back by committee because they weren't sure who the best guy was yet. And it took them a couple of games to figure out, Oh, it's Jalen Warren. And he dominated the carries until he got hurt coming into this year. Junior Dominic Richardson feels like he is the starter. He is the guy. Um, there's a, a really the deepest I can remember the the running back group being in a long time behind him with DeAndre Jackson, uh, Jay Nixon, and two true freshmen in Ollie Gordon and C.J. Brown, who everyone is very, very excited about. Oh, they also have a, a DeAndre Jackson, who I mentioned, is a transfer from Texas A&M, who's a redshirt sophomore. Like, they have loaded up this running back group i i was shocked they brought in a transfer at running back but they did um there's five guys in there and i if you ask me right now dominic richardson will be the starter for game one but if you told me he's not the starter by the end of the season we have another jalen warren situation where we just kind of figure out who the hot hand is and we don't know who that is yet i believe you i like dominic richardson um but i don't i don't know if he's a jalen warren every down give him the ball, let him go to work all the time. Somebody on this roster will be, and I'm curious who that's going to be. And I don't know who that is yet. And I don't, I haven't heard enough at a fall camp to know who that injured is yet. Now the guy who's getting the buzz who surprised me is Texas A&M transfer DeAndre Jackson. I'm really curious if this is their, their, we picked him off out of the transfer portal. Nobody kind of came out of nowhere and look who he is. Now he's a stud here. Uh, it might be him because he's getting the most kind of sneaky buzz out of fall camp so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. It's weird because it feels like every single one of these previews I've done, like, you know, it's, man, the running back room here is really deep. <laughs> and that seems to be a thing in the entire Big 12. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you look at this conference, I don't know if I would have um, guessed, you know, three years ago that we'd be talking about running back as, like, the best position, bar none, across the entire conference. Like, I- I, I should say consistent position across all the teams. I think everybody's very excited about their depth. It doesn't mean I think everybody, it's not like a, it's not so much depth of talent. There's a lot of guys there who can play for OSU. Like it's felt like a few years since we really had a deep running back room. Like for a while it was justice Hill and Chuba Hubbard. And then it was Chuba Hubbard and LD Brown had a bad year. And then we had last year, it was pretty much just Jalen Warren and they would throw some other guys in. And this year it's kind of like, okay, it it feels like we might not be as worried if we have to get down to the third string like we we were last year. Um, we'll see. I again, I this is not a shot at Dominic Richardson. I would be shocked if he is the guy. The guy gets all the carries, Jalen Warren style last year, Chuba Hubbard style in the past, Justin Hill style in the past, all through this season. I've just I I haven't seen that type of back from him in, in in what we have seen i'm curious if he really is that guy when given the opportunity or if somebody else will rise because osu has always had a dominant back whenever they've had a good season they just have i've i've never seen osu go to a true running back by committee they're gonna they're well gonna it's ride the hot hand it's also one of those things though like that's the way the game is trending right where you have multiple running backs and sure you have one main guy who is like the first and second down back, but you have a bunch of specialists that have different roles, you know, that they do, or you have multiple running backs on the you know field at the exact same time. Like the entire 
sport is moving towards a more, you know, I guess running back by committee approach. Now, that doesn't mean that you still don't have those special guys who, you know, come and dominate the carries and all this stuff. That, 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 that definitely still happens. But most of the good teams or most of the teams that, you know, make their make their offense through the running back position, have multiple guys that can do it, have multiple looks, get those running backs involved in the passing game. Like they do a bunch of different things with their running backs. And so they need multiple running backs to be able to do that in order and, and to be able to do it successfully over the course of an entire season. So I would not be surprised, like you said, if, if Dominic Richards is not the guy for the entire year, because it's hard in the current environment that we're in, you know, it's hard for a guy to be the guy like, We've been so spoiled as Big 12 fans of having a guy like Chuba Hubbard, a guy like Brees Hall, like all of these fantastic running backs. You know, I would even say like a Deuce Vaughn and a Bijan Robinson, you know, that, that we're having this year. Like we are so used to seeing good teams having dominant running backs, but that's just not the way that it normally is with most good teams. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how Oklahoma State is, is able to go around that. But I think one of the big things that's going to contribute to that is the, the the position that I like to highlight on every single one of these previews because we know as Kansas fans how important it is, the offensive line. It's been an issue for Oklahoma State in the past. I know a couple years ago, like, there was some big issues and Spencer Sanders got injured because there was a ton of offensive line questions. How is that position looking for this year? Is it still a worry for this offense? It is, to me, the biggest question mark in fall camp. And and it's more of a question mark of I think it feels the least set as far as who the starting five are. There's a few guys who feel in their place. Hunter Woodard at right guard, uh, he's he's set. Um, it seems like Preston Wilson is going to be the starting center. That seems pretty set. And it seems like Caleb Etienne, who came in last year's JUCO and really didn't play, just wasn't ready to go, um, is going to be the starting left tackle. It's the left guard spot and the right tackle spot that really seem unsettled and up for grabs. I've seen multiple different names. Taylor Materko is listed. Jake Springfield gets mentioned. Um, they just brought in a couple of transfers. Uh, uh, Jason Brooks is a guy that kind of might be pushing for playing time. Tyrone Weber. Um, I think right tackle and left guard are unsettled. The other three feel pretty set, but it, it doesn't. Here's been OSU's problem. They can't stay healthy. And I understand that that's a problem for everybody, right? But at a certain point, I'm starting to have, I don't want to go into my diatribe angry, um, why I have issues with the offensive line coaching staff. Um, you sure you don't want to do that? I don't. I really, <laughs> I really don't. Um we'll kill all of your uh, zoom time and we'll, we'll run out of time. <laughs> I just, they can't keep them healthy. And it seems like there's a, a preseason injury every year and we get into week one and you lose somebody. The problem for Oklahoma state is always the depth is just not there. Like you want to be eight guys deep on the line. You want to feel like you have eight guys who, you know, can, can play for you any day and you're going to be fine. And it feels like by week three every year, OSU's down to like six. And then they bring in some other guys. That, who, well, honestly, let's see who like. can let's see who can do this. Well, like I think they're pretty good last year, but they're they. I, I'm just, it's been an issue, and I think that's part of everyone gets mad that they don't utilize the cowboy back, which is yeah yeah yeah. It's the tight end. 
um, don't utilize it more in the passing game. Why don't we throw it? Why didn't we throw to Jelani Woods and he went to Virginia and became a stud and got drafted in the NFL by the Colts? Well, how come we never threw to him? Why don't we throw it? Everybody wishes we would throw to the tight end. Because the they needed him to block, play. right? <laughs> because the Cowboy back is basically a glorified extra offensive lineman. I mean, if, if you want the reality. And again, that's they utilize that in their scheme very, very well. Um, and it's part of what killed them in the Big 12 title game because they were down to Blaine Green, who at the time was a, re- a true freshman um, wide receiver who they had to convert to a cowboy back because they needed somebody over there. And he is now officially a cowboy back. They have officially moved him to that position. And I think it's between him and Braden Cassidy is who's going to start. Um, I think those are the two guys at the top of the list. They'll probably have a couple other guys involved as well, maybe Quentin Stewart. Um, another position they struggled to recruit to and it's basically glorified offensive linemen and that's why they don't throw to it. it's why it's not utilized more. everybody's hoping that they'll utilize Blaine Green because he is an actual receiver converted to a cowboy back and will use him as a receiver but I think that's going to depend entirely on how successful and how healthy is the offensive line if they need him if they need them to block then that's what they're going to be doing and I almost wonder the way the cowboy back position is with Braden Cassidy and Blaine Green is one is your blocking cowboy back and one is your pass catching cowboy back um, I don't, I'm never going to go into the season. Like, I hope they do it this year. Uh, they've never given any inclination that they're actually going to throw to the cowboy back. It's just something everybody wishes they would do because it's always fun to see your tight end, you know, put into unique positions and get you 10, 15 yards. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny three. looking at the Oklahoma state roster. Like I don't actually seem to be listed as a tight end. <laughs> like they're all fullbacks. It's, it's, it's CW. <laughs> Is cowboy back. That's how it's. Uh, if you look at the Oklahoma State website, okay. The roster. I'm not CW looking at the right back. roster. Then I'm looking at the ESPN roster because it was the convenient one. So it sounds like yeah. it's a it's a data issue with ESPN. But that's all right. But you know what? So I mean, it, it sounds like a fair assessment of this is that the offensive line is probably the most questionable position on the offense because of durability issues, which is kind of understandable. A, a lot of teams potentially have problems with that, and Kansas fans know that all too well. But there is one line that has all the durability that you could ever want. And that is the line from sponsor here on the podcast today, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere, whether it's t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, whatever else you can think of. Um, look, they have fantastic stuff. It is super comfortable. It lasts a really long time. It is really great stuff. I have way too much of it. You know, I have, they have it for all the schools in the Big 12. Big 12 is the first conference to have a, you know, a line for every single one of their schools, both the current schools and the future schools. Philip was just showing off to the camera the wonderful Pistol Pete that he is wearing. Um, and look, I have way too many things from way too many different schools. Uh, I, I have tons that I more that I want. Unfortunately, I don't really have room for them right now at this point. So, but you can find and get started on your home field collection. Find all the great stuff you want from all the different schools that are available. The fantastic mascots. Just go to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHALK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. And all orders over $100 have free shipping. I guarantee you're going to find a ton of great stuff. You're going to save a whole bunch of money using that. So homefieldapparel.com. Promo code CHALK12. Get, save yourself that 15%. All right, Philip. Season four this weekend is Oregon State, and I feel a kindred spirit to them and sad about what's happening to the Pac-12. And I am probably going to end up with a really cool throwback beaver shirt in my home field apparel collection. Well, you know, it's an orange OSU team. I mean, I, I can't understand why you would with feel. With a former starting quarterback who was awesome for them, now yeah. leading them with a fun and innovative offense and a team <laughs> that is to be the second fiddle to the state school, blah, blah, blah. Like, there, yeah. there is so much kindred spirit there. I, it's, it's insane. 
All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and talk about the other side of the of the ball, the defense. But before we do that, I need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. And we're back. I am here with Philip Slavin. He is the host over on the 1012 podcast, uh, over on the 1012 network, of which we are a part of. Um, look, we are talking about Oklahoma State previewing. We already talked about the offense and kind of all that other stuff. Let's switch over to the defense, because honestly, I think that's where most of the stories are. As, mu- as many as there were on the offensive side, I think there's even more on the defense, because, look, we're looking at a brand new, potentially, defense um, you know, I, I, I was not imagining, right? Oklahoma State had their defensive coordinator that was poached by a different school this year. And so they are now trying to get a new defense going with a new defensive coordinator and kind of get all that going, correct? Uh, okay. Well, yes. Uh, another OSU school poached. Right. Okay. I thought that's what it was, but I was like, yeah. you know what? So much stuff has happened in this offseason that I very sure. well could have just misattributed that to, you know, a prior year's occurrence to this one. Took a starting corner with him and uh, uh, and uh, a linebacking graduate assistant coach. Uh, and in comes Derek Mason, who was the head, the defensive coordinator at Auburn last year. And uh, thankfully, he was so fed up with all the things going on there uh, that he came to Stillwater and is now the defensive coordinator. Now, here's the thing I would say you got slightly wrong. And it's the installing a new offense or defense. Um, they are not. Uh, they are keeping the what they refer to as Oklahoma State's defense. The defensive scheme is not going to change. Derek Mason is understood that and is coming to Stillwater to learn Jim Knowles or however you want to put Oklahoma State's defense and continue to coach that. Uh, the belief is because you didn't lose anybody else from the, the coaching staff. All your other position coaches remained. They coached the, the defense in the bowl game, uh, which is why there was some question as to whether or not they might promote from within. But when you can get somebody of the uh, ilk of Derek Mason, you say, yeah, let's pony up the most we've ever spent on a coordinator and get him to Stillwater for however long we can keep him. So he is going to come and coach Oklahoma State's defense, not bring his defense to Stillwater. So the defense isn't going to change. The The terminology is not going to change. He's going to bring his his own touch and flair to it, but it will still be Oklahoma State's same style of defense that they have been using for the last couple of seasons under uh, Jim Knowles. So I find that to be interesting because, you know, we talk about how – coordinators typically like to run their stuff and it's it's not very often that you hear a story like that right where they are keeping the the same terminology keeping all of that same stuff um how how much of a worry is there then that there's going to be some sort of i don't want to say clash but maybe a kind of honeymoon period you know where they need to kind of figure it out and see how everything works together or are you from what you can understand is it is it already going pretty well in terms of the way that they're kind of meshing everything together i think it's hard to tell at this point um i mean nothing has come out negative but it's not going to right (laughs) we're not at that point in the season and again if you bring back your entire the rest of your staff who know the system have been coaching it i mean osu just doesn't hasn't had turnover at the position coaches for a while the defensive coaches know the system. I mean, you had a little bit of moving around. Um, uh, and I just completely whiffed on names, so forgive me. You had two defensive line coaches 
Uh, your defensive end coach is now the defensive line coach. Your defensive line coach, your interior defensive line is now your linebacker coach. Um, forgive me that I cannot. Joe Bob Clements, goodness gracious, the sakes alive, is now the linebacker coach, um, which I think is setting him up as a precursor for when Derek Mason leaves to become the defensive coordinator for that. It's a whole other theory for another day. Um, I think they're going to be fine. There might be a little bit difference in how aggressive they are at times, just based off of I mean, Jim Knowles was referred to as the mad scientist. Um, I think there are different coaching styles between Jim Knowles and Derek Mason. I think Derek Mason's a little bit more hands-on. Jim Knowles is a little more sitting in his laboratory uh, and, and coming up with whatever insanity and creativity he right. could. That, so I do think there will be differences between the two defensive coordinators for sure. The bigger question here is, everything you're placing on the, the defensive backfield. You return your entire defensive line. You're, you've got more defensive ends that you know what to do with. I mean, <laughs> and Brock Martin, Tyler Lacey, Trace Ford, Colin Oliver, Trace Ford's healthy. Colin Oliver was a true freshman and, and got the tackle that helped Oklahoma State seal the Bedlam win last year. Uh, your defensive ends are stacked. Your defensive linemen, Brandon Evers, Sionia C, like Con Clay might actually be healthy this year. Aiden Kelly, who's a redshirt freshman, everybody's excited about. Like your defensive line, there's a legitimate debate to me between Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor for who's going to have the best defensive line in the Big Twelve. Like I and I and that they're all going to be stellar. So you bring all of that back up front, which is good. The question is all about the back, defensive backfield. So new head coach or new head defensive coordinator whose back coaching pedigree was in on defensive backs. So if there is a position group that you're going to have to replace, you feel good about your position coaches and you bring in a new DC who is very familiar with coaching corners. So I, I guess, you know, looking at what Oklahoma State is replacing, because you also look last year, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, the leading tackler, is no longer with the team either. Um, so, like, I, I understand that there's probably a decent amount of depth at the linebacker position. Um, but, like, if you're looking at, like, in terms of last year, guys that could potentially step up, who, who are those guys? Because obviously, I mean, I agree with you. Defensive line seems like it's set. They always have a nice stable of guys. And while we may not know exactly who, like, the standout is, there's probably about three or four different guys that you could say could have a standout season on the defensive line. And honestly, I think all of them potentially could. But looking at, at the linebacker, you know, for the rest of that front seven, that linebacking position, because it is kind of one of the one of the backbones, I think, of the defense, how how are you or who are you expecting to kind of step up from the linebacker role for, for the Cowboys this year? Well, okay, so you mentioned Malcolm Rodriguez, who's now with the Lions and impressing everybody in, in camp, uh, also was Devin Harper, and those two together were – you just had two guys who didn't miss tackles. And, and it's, a, you know, it's a thing in college, guys miss tackles. You had two of the most the surest tacklers in the Big 12 at linebacker. Like, if something got past the defensive line, they were going to be able to clean it up. Um, and they're both gone. And they – they, yes, uh, Mason Cobb came in as the third guy to kind of, you know, rep- relieve them every once in a while. But for the most part, those two played vast, vast majority of the snaps. So if there is a position group on the defense that is the most concerning to me, I know you're placing both your starting corners. I know you're placing pretty much all your starting safeties. It is the linebackers. Uh, Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson are expected to be, I think, the two starters. Mason Cobb, who I said, um, 
was the primary like number three guy for Oklahoma State last year. He's had experience. He is a junior. And then redshirt junior Xavier Benson, who they brought in um, as a, a JUCO transfer. Uh, he was an NJCAA Division One All-American. Uh, he actually spent two seasons at Texas Tech and was a starter there his, his true freshman season before going to the uh, JUCO route. And now he is at Oklahoma State. I think he's going to be likely the other starter. Um, I am a Lamont Bishop fan. I think he'll be kind of that number three guy for them there. But I, this is not going to be like the last few years where you're just like, we've got this set. Whoever's back up, you just need to not screw it up when you come in. We're going to be fine. Um, this is, I think you might see more rotation at the linebacker position than we have again for. Also, again, Joe Bob Clements, who spent most of his coaching career coaching defensive lines, is now coaching linebackers. And I, the guy is a very, very good coach. He spent years at Kansas State. He's been in Oklahoma State for a long time. But he is changing to a very different position group, in my opinion, between linebacker and, and defensive line. So I think it makes the def- the linebacking position the one that I am – I think most people are the most – concerned about as far as this season goes because it's just got the biggest question mark and I think we're really just going to see kind of how they look the thing with this defense is very much going to be I think there is a lot of potential especially at safety and corner I'm very high on the guys that they have coming in to fill those spots but they're going to have growing pains it's going to take them some time you had so much experience in the defensive backfield last year and the year before it's so many guys have been playing since they were true freshmen um, or just playing a lot that you're replacing so much, there's going to be growing pains for the Oklahoma State defense with everything that they lost that they're replacing this year. But I, I do think this is a defense that by the end of the year will be playing far better than they were at the start. No, and that's fair. So, I mean, if if we're looking across the entire defense, well, I guess linebacker and defensive secondary, you know, so like the places where there are the most questions. If you're looking for a player that is going to potentially break out and is potentially going to surprise people this year, who it would be that guy that you would highlight? Um, I, I'll, I'll give you three. Um, you've got two new starting corners, Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad. They both started in the uh, bowl game. Um, Corey Black made some plays last year. Um, Corey Black made some plays in that against Notre Dame, he made some plays during the season as a as a reserve as well. Uh, OSU, every year for the past few years, loses some just like should have been a first-team All-Big 12 and didn't because he didn't have the stats because nobody throws his way corner. And I always see somebody say, well, they won't be able to replace him. And then they replace him. Well, they won't be able to replace him. And then they replace him. Well, they We've done this enough years in a row. One of these guys is going to step up. I'm, I think Corey Black could be really, really good. And I like Jabbar Muhammad across from him. Um, we'll see how the backups develop. It's safety. Jason Taylor has been a reserve for a couple of years, and he has he has made some plays as a backup, both on special teams and on defense. Um, I think it was two years ago against Kansas State that I will always remember the uh, – Will Howard having the ball knocked out of him straight into Jason Taylor's hands who ran it all the way back to give OSU a nice cushion for a win they probably shouldn't have had. But Jason Taylor has been a guy who's just come in and when he has had opportunities, he has been a playmaker. Now he is going to be that starting middle safety. I think he could have a chance to really, really shine this year. The other one I think that we're all very excited about is, is Richard freshman Kendall Daniels, who's expected to start. He was a guy who had been committed to – he was the top-ranked o- prospect in the state of Oklahoma for 2021 recruiting class. He'd been committed to AM, decommitted, and he came to Oklahoma State. We've been psyched for him ever since he committed. It's one of those you're just like, yes, we're – yes, please come. Please come here. Um, he didn't really play last year. 
really excited to see him that as a redshirt freshman, you're getting this four-star kid that could have gone to a lot of places, stuck in state, went to Oklahoma State and is going to be starting this year. He could, he could, if he is quickly become, quickly becomes the kind of guy we think he will be. And I think he's probably got another year away. He just needs to get a year of actually playing, but man, if he pops, he's going to pop. Like he's going to. So I, I think those are the three guys in the defensive backfield that I am really think one of those three is, is going to be a name that irritates other teams. Yeah. I would not be surprised. I mean, it's one of those things where there's always at least one or two guys on Oklahoma state that everybody is, you know, really, really upset at because they're just so annoyingly good. So um, before we jump over the schedule though, and kind of talk about this season coming up, uh, anything on special teams that you wanted to highlight? Um, Tanner Brown's back. He's really good. Tom Hutton's back. He's really good. Um, Brendan Presley's going to return punts and kicks. Um, he had a big one in Bedlam. Like, I, there were a few years there where special teams in Oklahoma State was bad. Like, they went from like best in the country to one of the worst. Um, because Mike Gundy won't hire a special teams coordinator. He coaches it himself. It's really like an analyst and a couple of off field guys. It's, I don't, I don't entirely understand it. Anyway, this was a really good special teams last year, and they brought everybody back. They're gonna be fine. Um, they're set at return, returners with Presley. Um, your backups in Middleton and, and John Paul Richardson, I think they're gonna be fine. And I had Tom Hutton's gotten better as your punter and your every single year. Um, and Tanner Brown, he'll be a senior this year. He was he was solid as your kicker this year. I, I, special teams are fine. I'm I'm not I'm very comfortable with them. Yeah, I do find it interesting. There are a decent number of Big 12 teams that don't have a special teams coordinator. Um, and, and like, I, I know that Kansas is doing something a little bit different this year where the four different, you know, special teams units that you have in terms of kick return, punt return, kickoff, and then punts, um, they're all being, like, led and coached by a different position coach where you have one guy who is the special teams coordinator officially, but he's responsible for one of those units. And then you've got three other position coaches who are each responsible for one of those units. It's an interesting way, I think, to kind of do it, to make sure that you're not avoiding, you know, having a coach who is who is dedicated to that particular unit. I'll be interested to see how that works out. But I, I do think that that's one of the, the biggest complaints I've heard from, from people around the conference about their special teams is that there's nobody who's actually paying attention to that as a dedicated coach for it. It's just a an, an analyst somewhere who's looking at it. Um, so I'll be interested to kind of see how that how all that plays out, how successful Oklahoma State is with it this year, if there's any kind of big differences from Kansas, and if that becomes a thing, right, where you start assigning it to um, a, a big group of coaches as opposed to just one guy looking at special teams because of the limits that you have on on-field coaches. So, but jumping over to the schedule, because Oklahoma State, I think, like, as I was looking through the schedule, you know, trying to kind of figure out who had the most favorable kind of lineups in terms of the Big 12 conference schedule. Um, I, I don't know personally, looking from the outside, that there's any huge complaints about the way that this schedule lines up. But I'm also not an Oklahoma State fan. So, you know, you guys are, obviously are are more prone to have your own ideas about how this schedule lines up. Is there anything in this schedule that jumped out, that jumped out immediately to you as kind of a, oh my gosh, that looks like it's kind of a ridiculous stretch for us? Where you, where you where you want to look for is, is there a three-game stretch that really just scares the bejesus out of you, right? And for OSU, I don't feel like there is one. Um, you get Texas followed by a road game at Kansas State, but that's followed by a road game at Kansas um, before Texas is a road game at TCU, which could be tricky, right, because you just don't know about TCU. But but on 
without knowing what TCU is going to be like, I'm, I'm less concerned with that game, right? And it's not a shot at TCU. It's just, we don't know how good they're going to be. So right now, just looking at it, you get Baylor off of an out of week, Texas followed by at Kansas state. That is a tricky two game stretch. Um, you don't have Bedlam on the last the schedule, which is, if we're going to do it early, can we do it like early, like in October, not the week before Thanksgiving? It's weird to me. But you do have Iowa State at home, followed by road game in Oklahoma, followed by a home game against West Virginia. That might be the most difficult three-game stretch because, look, I, I, I know everything's Iowa State's replacing. They're always at their best by the end of the year. You get them at home. Those are always really close games. Uh, there's, no, there's no closer series the last seven years in the Big 12 than Oklahoma State, Iowa State. There's just not. I think it was less than – it's the closest series from a win win margin. You got to go to Norman. That's I don't care if we won last year. Like it's it's going to be a pain. And then you come home for West Virginia. We don't know what they're going to be like. You're going to be coming off back to back. You know difficult games. That that might be a that might be a tricky game against West Virginia at home to close the season. So if if there is a three game stretch that makes me kind of the most nervous, it's those last three games of the season. Just because with West Virginia coming on the back end unless they're bad or just out of it or you just you just don't know like, yeah like that west virginia game is either going to be a really tough game because they're pretty good and they're going to challenge you at the end or it's going to be a really simple game because west virginia just falls flat on their face this year and it's you know going to be very difficult for them to well, really kind of keep up if you're osu how are you coming off the games against iowa state and oklahoma like did you go one and one did you lose back did you lose both like you just you just don't know yeah. So, uh, you know, you did talk about that first, that that conference opener on the road against Baylor coming off of a bye week. Um, any concern about the bye week for you guys being so early in the year? Yeah. And that's the other reason I think those last three games concern me is you're going to play just straight through nine straight games. I mean, like yeah, playing, it's, it's, it's not TCU level of, you know, tons of straight no, games. Idle week but... And week two. but still, I, <laughs> I hate, I hate an idle week before week like six like i would always yeah. want to play at least four if not five games into my season before i take my break which is also why i'm a proponent of let's start the season a week earlier and build two idle weeks in for everybody so nobody's doing this nonsense unless they're just idiot schedulers and put two of them in the front half of the season well yeah i mean was it the 2019 year where we had that extra week and so everybody yeah. had two two idle weeks i thought it worked out really well because you actually had basically three chunks of the season like if you had an early idle week in week three or four, it wasn't a killer because you had another one coming up in like week nine or 10. I think some coaches don't like it because they want to carry momentum through, but I am a fan of like, Hey, we're getting to the back half of the season. Our team's usually un- not healthy. It would be nice if with three to four games to go in the season, we could have a short rest before we got to right. Like out. momentum's a great thing. If you're a super healthy team and you have really good health luck, like, or you have really deep depth. So or, yeah, you or you're extremely your deep, health. right, yeah. Yeah, like like you're Alabama. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, so I definitely I definitely agree with that. I mean, looking through the schedule, though, like are there are there any games that you think are sneaky, difficult ones that you wouldn't necessarily think about it, but um, either because of circumstance or, you know, the whole quote-unquote trap game type of thing that you're potentially worried about? I don't, I don't buy trap games with OSU because I never – when they lose games, it never feels like it's because of trap game. It's just because it, lately Spencer Sanders decided that was the game where he was going to have five turnovers and you can never predict when that's going to come. Right. So I, I I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I buy the trap game stuff as much as everybody else does. Like, because everyone picks what they're going to be trap games. And it's like, like sometimes they are. And then sometimes they're not. And you're like, well, I don't, 
I look more look at it as where is there a difficult stretch of games where you're going to have to play some really physical stuff that's going to leave you beat up, and then what do you have to do after that? And so Texas at Kansas State is tricky to me, but then you get a road game at Kansas. And I don't mean this bad, like Kansas is going to be better this year, but I would rather have after facing Texas in a road game at Kansas State. Okay. Also, Oklahoma State's one of the teams that has the benefit of when they have the five road games scheduled in the Big 12, one of them is Kansas, which is the perfect way if you're going to have to have the four home five road, you would like one of those five road to be at Kansas and not Kansas at home. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how much longer that's something that you guys are actually hoping for. So look, Kansas is continuing to improve. Right. And, I, and I'm this, you know, as well as anybody, like this is not a shot at Kansas of being like, that ah, Kansas is garbage. They're going to be improved. But for now, it remains, if you're going to have to play five road games, Kansas is not a bad one to have. And even as they continue to improve, like there's always going to be somebody at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Whether that's Tech or Kansas or West Virginia or somebody else just falls off, like somebody's going to be that team. And so for right now, for Oklahoma State, it's been beneficial to when you have the five road schedule in the Big 12, Kansas is one of those road games. So you feel pretty comfortable that way uh, with, with the way it stacks up. Now, again, I think it's tricky because you have to go to Baylor, you have to go to Kansas State, and you have to go to Oklahoma. And in the way we I look at the, the Big 12 this year, that's three of the top four teams, three of the top five teams are on the road. And so for OSU, that is that is going to be tricky. And OSU's done really well on the road through recent years. Um, they've, they've been a solid road team. And I, again, it's just – and I think those are the three games that it's really going to come down to this season of don't lose the games you're not supposed to, and then how do you do in those three? Can, do you, can you go one and two at worst? Because I think if you do that, you have a shot at the Big 12 title game again. Yeah, so it's I mean it's it's one of those things. I, I I definitely agree with your premise, right? The idea of those are the difficult games, those are the ones you really need to watch out for. I do wonder though, because you talk about all the quote unquote difficult games that are there. Like if Texas is going to be as good as, pe- as a lot of people seem to think that they're going to be, even though that game's at home, it's going to be a difficult one. Um, now, granted, I'm, I'm not, look. I am I am also on the bandwagon of or I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I am also of a mind that I don't know that Texas is actually going to be good this year. Like there's, there's always a lot of hype around Texas and I don't necessarily buy into it, especially, you know, a quarterback who has not played in college, um, you know, and kind of everything that's going on, especially the way that that year ended last year. So like if, if, if we get to the end of the season and Texas is a team that's in the bottom half of the conference, I, I am not going to be shocked at all. Um, but it is definitely one of those the things where for OSU there, is it's a issue against Texas is well, it's a home game and they're coming off playing Iowa state at home, Oklahoma the week before that. What like true. It's, it's a three, it's the end of a three game stretch that could be really di- tricky for Texas. So you get them for, if you're Oklahoma state where I feel like is in a good spot because you've just played Texas tech and at TCU, not that Texas tech is not going to be, decent i'm more of a i buy into like year two year three for them than i do year one um yeah i I just looking at this right looking at the location of when this game is in the schedule and and this game i'm talking about is the game at kansas um this feels to me like it's a similar situation to the oklahoma at kansas game last year right where if kansas is playing better than a lot of people seem to think but not good enough that they're like you know really in games and really pushing some of the top contenders, Oklahoma was caught completely off guard by what Kansas tried to do. And while I, 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 you know, I understand that you don't necessarily believe in the concept of a trap game, you know, you're looking at, 
at Kansas State having come off that game, if Kansas State's as good as a lot of people seem to think that they're going to be this year, that is going to be a, a, a horrible game for Oklahoma State to you know try to bounce back from. And then looking at potentially having Iowa State, who, like you said, is a, has been a big, close, good game that they would look at as, you know, like this is a, a big one that we want to win, following up with then going to Norman for, for Bedlam. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to completely overlook Kansas, but this is one where I think if unless Kansas just gets completely outclassed throughout the entire year, we could see that leap. We could see Kansas be, make this one competitive. I don't think that Oklahoma State is going to lose this game. Look, I am probably one of the highest in terms of how I think Kansas is going to do this year um, of most people that you'll find. You know, and and I have had several people tell me I am not absolutely crazy for that. So, um, you know, I just, I, just, I just want to make sure I point that out. But like, I'm on I the over two and a half, Andy. What? I'm on the over two and a half. Yeah, you're on the over two and a half. Whereas, you know, I am on record as saying that they're going to a bowl game this year. So, um, I, which, by the way, I have you to thank for that because of our, you know, bold predictions episode on the 10 12 at the beginning of the year. So, um, but no, it's, you know, it, it is one of those things where that is a game that could be a sneaky tough one that I don't know that a lot of people are going to expect unless Kansas is surprising a lot of people. Like if they have, you know, if, if, if they get off to a hot start and win potentially, you know, three of the first four, like they, you know, pull an, a, a road upset against West Virginia off in week two, you know, beat Duke and beat Tennessee Tech and lose, you know, on, on the road to Houston, I think at that point people will start paying attention. But if that doesn't happen, you know, I, I do feel like Kansas is one of those teams that is going to get a lot better throughout the year like they did last year. And this could be a tough game, a game that a lot of people don't necessarily see coming. Am I going to pick it? No, not at this point. Like, it's going to take a lot for me to actually get there. But I, I do definitely think that this is probably the year where a lot of people are going to say, hey, maybe going to Kansas in a conference game wasn't necessarily a, you know, a a, a gimme like we thought it was going to be. The, the selling point you're missing here that you should have hammered more is Kansas, while OSU will be coming off of a road game at Kansas State, Kansas is coming off of an Iowa week. So Kansas will have a week off to prepare for this game. And this is the only home game in a five-week stretch. You go to OU, you go to Baylor, you're off for a week, you get OSU at home, and then you're back on the road to Texas Tech. So this is their only home game in a five-week stretch. So if you really want a selling point for the potential on this game, it's OSU having to come off the road of Kansas State and Kansas getting a week off to prepare for this game. Now, they're also going to be coming off two games against Oklahoma and Baylor, who, look, OU's going to remember last year. Baylor should be pretty good. Like, Kansas could also just need that week off to, like, lick their wounds and heal their bones and try and, you know, just get healthy enough to play against Oklahoma State the following week. Well, you also, you'd say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They'll have to play eight straight games before they get that week off. So, like, it, but the selling point for, for Kansas in that game is where that game stacks in the schedule with the road games around it and the idle week before it. See, mission accomplished. I knew I could get you to give me a good reason why Kansas might be super competitive in that game. So thanks, Philip. I just think they're going to be solid. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, no. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's one of those things where, um, you know, if I'm picking it now, I think Oklahoma State's going to be one of the better teams in the Big 12. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go back to the Big 12 championship game. Um, but I do think that the Big 12 as a whole is, you know, has enough upheaval that they're going to fall somewhere. I just don't know where it is. It's going to be some weird thing happening. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the year where one of the big contenders loses late to a team like Kansas, you know, a kind of kind of a la a, uh, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State, you know, up to that type of situation 
Um, so like, it's one of those things where this is going to be a crazy year, I think, for the Big 12 as a whole. Just, there's just, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on because there's a lot of teams that where we don't know where they're at, kind of to the, to the point that you had made earlier. So, um, if you want to pick, if you want to pick the Big 12 title game can, participants, you should, you might be able to by week seven. And here's what I would tell you to do. Here's what I would tell you to do. No, no, no. Not because anyone's dominating anybody. The things to look at is who is still in contention and who's winning their close games. Because the teams that have been making the Big 12 title game the last few years, Baylor and Oklahoma State last year, Iowa State the year before that, Baylor before that, who's got the best records in close games. Now, look, if there's a team that's just blowing everybody out and undefeated and no one's getting close to them, sure, cool, put them in there. But pay attention to who's winning those close games because those are going to be the teams that get there. They are every single year in the Big 12. So if you're sitting with a couple of one-loss teams and you say, okay, these guys have been in close ones and have played a, a, a some of the tougher teams in the conference to start off, those are the ones I would keep my eye on. And I think you'll be able to figure that by about week seven. You'll have enough, you should have six to seven games under their belts to be able to say, these teams are doing well in close, in one score games. Keep an eye on them. For sure. All right. So, final question for you. If you had to pick it right now, what do you think the record for the Cowboys is going to be this year? Uh, nine and three. I'm Not a bad record. You, th- no, you think they're going to make the, the Big 12 title or no? I, I think there's a real chance that the Big 12 title game is two, two lost teams this year. Like, uh, uh, again, if it's not because you've got a couple of teams who really have won their close games and have, have one loss, but have, you know, won six games by one score. Um, I think there's almost a better chance this year of two 10 and two teams in the Big 12 title game than there are a team actually vying to make it into the playoff, which great. Right. I would love to not even have to have that conversation for the last <laughs> four weeks of the season. Uh, normalize caring more about making a bowl game in the playoff. Um, Okay, so big takeaway from that is that Philip doesn't care if the Big Twelve gets a team in the in the playoff. I like <laughs> we're going to talk about it, and we're going to be in support of it, and we're going to be happy about it. I don't. I know. Crap. I don't. I don't. I know. It's such it's such a crapshoot um, anyway I, in terms I, of who actually gets in. I, so. I I think nine and three is a realistic expectation for the team because again, as I mentioned, with a returning senior quarterback under Mike Gundy, they've never won fewer than nine games. Yeah. That is, that I also is in the though, don't season, see them losing the in the non-conference. So that would mean that no. they'd be a three loss big 12 team, which means they're probably not going to make the championship game, but it'll still be a really good season for them if they make that. So, but I, I do agree. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably, um, you know, nine and three, 10 and two is probably where I'm sitting on that. And like, I would say, you know, floor for this team is probably eight wins. I, I would say you lose two of three, at Baylor, at Kansas State, and at Oklahoma, and then you have another hiccup at home somewhere. Um, maybe it's maybe Texas is clicking at that point. You lose to them at homecoming. Maybe it's um, maybe Texas Tech surprises you. Uh, maybe it's West Virginia at the end of the season because you're beat up and, and they're playing well. Like I, they typically have a loss. I mean, last year was Iowa State, right? I'll say, I say I I noticed you Iowa. didn't say anything about Iowa State. Um, I'm sure Iowa State fans will find a way to be offended. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, Philip, thank you so much for joining me. Um, for those that don't know where to find you online, where's the best place to follow all everything that you do? Well, if they don't know what the 1012 podcast, the 1012 network are, then Andy, we need to have a conversation. About yeah, no, fair, fair. Podcast but... network. Um, but yes, I am the host of the 1012 podcast. 
Uh, we are still one a week right now every Monday. We'll go back to Mondays and Thursdays as we get closer to the season when I finally feel like I can uh, take the time away from caring for the two and a half month old that is currently in my bedroom. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network, on Instagram at 1012pod, T-E-N, the number 12, P-O-D. Please do rate, review, subscribe, check out 1012network.com. You can find links to every show in the network. Uh, and if you just want to follow me personally, because I don't know, OKTXAR poke. For sure. Well, Philip, thank you so much for saving me half of my outro read because that's, I usually talk about all the network stuff. So, but thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, which Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just uh, search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, you know, we do really appreciate all of the support that we do have from you guys. But if, if you can give us that rating and review as well, let us know what it is we can be doing better if you can't give us those five stars. Because we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can, of course, also find all of my coverage of the Kansas Jayhawks over at bluewingsrising.com as well. Um, look, guys, thank you so much for listening. Philip, thank you so much for joining me. Um, make sure you visit sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOP12 gets you 15% off that entire first order. But uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Tanks podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.